I'm Ashlyn Keenan and you're listening to Every Mom the Podcast, now in its 11th season and supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. When I had my daughter, I wanted something I could trust to use on her skin and Water Wipes were and still are the one. I once made the mistake of trying a different brand and decided never again. I didn't realise just how much of a difference there could be between two fairly similar brands, but it was huge. My daughter is now two and I panic if I don't have at least one pack of water wipes within line of sight. With that in mind, I'm happy to say this season is supported by that most essential of products for every mum, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, they are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Every Mum, the podcast. I'm Ashton Keenan, your host, and all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana, this week's guest is author, journalist and podcaster Rosemary McCabe. We cover a lot, but one of the most fascinating topics for me was the difference between maternity leave here in Ireland versus in the States. When I say the United States system is crazy, I'm not joking. We also talk about how motherhood has come naturally to Rosemary and yet at times she still finds it challenging, monotonous and not always fulfilling. We chat about how her relationship with her stepsons has changed since her son Atlas came along and how Miss Rachel is the third parent in both of our households. I hope you enjoy. Rosemary McCabe, all the way from, fill in the blanks for me, you're in Fort... Fort Wayne, Wayne. Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, right, I was trying to explain. Of, I don't know what it's the home of. I like The, the world's home of you. The world's largest ball of yarn is somewhere nearby. It might be in Ohio. I don't know that Fort Wayne has any, like, the world's largest loaf of bread. I'd love that. That would be ideal. Yeah. That would be really ideal. Be Especially for an expat. Corn, lovely. Lots of corn, yeah. A lot of my favourite things start out as being corn um, and <laughs> Fort Wayne Indiana I was trying to explain to someone actually the other day I was um, I was telling them I was having you on and that you were in Indiana I was trying to figure out where on the, the map of the United States Indiana was and I, I just I figured out in my mind that it's underneath Lake Michigan yeah well here's the confusing thing that they call it the Midwest but it is nowhere near the west and it's nowhere even near the middle so when I first moved here, I was convinced that we were like right next to Portland, Oregon, because I was like, oh, we must be like middle and a bit more west. But we're actually closer to New York than we are to the other coast. You know what I mean? Like we're closer to East Coast than to West. It makes no sense. So so the Midwest is just a, a complete misnomer. It's a nonsense. It's a nonsense is what it is. <laughs> uh, how are you enjoying living in the nonsense place that is famous for nothing except maybe a ball of yarn? 
no 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 I just just disclaimer the ball of yarn is elsewhere I just I know that it's somewhere it's somewhere nearby um you know what I like anywhere you live I could come up with 10 things I love about it and 10 things I hate about it yes uh, my husband is here my sister's here my family's here my parents are actually here at the moment so all those things are lovely America is the wild west in more ways than one and there's a lot about America at the moment that I think anybody would find very troubling but the Midwest as a place to live is very nice it's very easy to live here like it's a very low cost of living nice quality of life everybody's very laid back and friendly you just don't want to get anybody talking about anything even vaguely related to politics or religion that's what I've which learned. I mean I, th- I think that's that's my rule in general regardless of country um yeah but in but america I think it would especially apply in america but see the problem in america is that a lot of things are to do with politics without you realizing they're to do with politics so you might say something about like oh isn't it crazy that teachers here have to buy their own supplies and the next thing you know you're having a conversation about whether or not you're a republican you know what i mean everything is political yes 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 in a everything way that i've never into... experienced before and so we're here to talk mostly about parenting and and Particularly, I do want to ask you about parenting down the line as the parent of a, of a child who will be going to school in the United States and how you feel about all of that. But to start, I will say, if you don't mind me saying, the Rosemary I know and knew, I think, when we worked together in Irish media, if you had said, where will that Rosemary be in, in five years? I probably wouldn't have said in Indiana, married to a man called Brandon with a child that just probably wouldn't have been on my bingo card for you nor would it (laughs) nor would it have been on the bingo card for me (laughs) well actually with three kids technically because Brandon has two sons from a previous marriage so I have two stepsons and a baby well a toddler now baby yeah I still refer to my toddler as baby uh I think I believe Lydia and Atlas are similar ages yeah he's going to be two he'll be two in October yes she'll be yeah so they're six months apart yeah, yeah yeah she's gonna be two and a half in October um and so how had how did that whole life shift happen and how have you kind of adapted to motherhood and stepmotherhood actually I mean n- well and not well depending on the day right I mean how it happened was I moved here my sister lived here and said to me why don't you come and spend a year or two try and get a visa and come and live with me for a year or two and I went oh you know what there's nothing because I, I like I'd never wanted to go abroad before and I still even when I came abroad didn't really want to move away from Ireland but I also had been in a five-year relationship that had ended in Ireland I was renting in Dublin I kind of felt like I didn't have a full-time job I was freelancing so I was like there's nothing holding me here so when she said do you want to come over for the first time I didn't have a reason to say no do you know what I mean um, and anybody who has an older sister I think will know when your sister suggests something to you you have to have a really good reason to say no or else you just have to go along with it you know what I mean no 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 but I mean like I kind of was interested in trying a year or two and because I'm a serial monogamist I immediately downloaded tinder I met Brandon and before that as well I would never really have considered dating somebody with kids but I somehow because I was in this kind of temporary state where I was like I'm not I'm only here for a year or two the old rules do not need to apply so I kind of went oh grand I'll date him and then I regret it now. No, I don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then we went on one date and two dates and three dates and one thing led to another and here we are. That's like, it's just it, like such a, such a, it's almost like 
in weird fairy tale terms you know it's like you went to a foreign land and you've met this guy and now you're you know it's just such a it's such a beautiful story in a way um, and when did you was it a decision that you guys made together that you were going to try and have a baby and how did that all go for you and like I mean what is American healthcare like well obviously when I moved in with Brandon he had his two boys and he has 50-50 custody so they're with us half the time so I think for the first year, I was just too kind of frazzled, like going, oh my God, I'm suddenly, you know, after we moved in, suddenly like in the role of stepmom. And I think I went through a few different iterations of that, you know, when I was like, I'm just going to be their friend. And then I was like, oh no, I'm actually not because I don't really want to be friends with an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not really what I... Um, and I, you know, I also didn't want to be super a super harsh disciplinarian, but then I realized if you're not, if like, if you don't really act like a parent, they kind of just run rings around you you know what I mean so you kind of have to do some of the parenting but anyway so I moved in with him and we kind of grappled with that for a while and I had been told in my mid-20s I had had my egg reserve or whatever it's called my ovarian reserve levels checked and I'd been told that I had a really low ovarian reserve or like a, that I had a really low number of eggs left basically it really freaks me out when you think about it, that we're born with all our eggs and then they just gradually dwindle away but yes anyway, so I was told I did, basically I didn't have a lot of eggs left. So when we got together, I was th- I was 33. I had already been told that in my 20s. So I was kind of going, look, the chances of us getting, having a baby now are probably pretty slim. Mm. So for the first while that we were together, we used contraception. And then like, so it wasn't that we got pregnant by accident because we didn't. Like we, we, we had had the conversation where I'd gone, look, I'd really like to have a baby. I don't think it's going to happen. But if it does happen, I would like to. So maybe we could just stop using using contraception. So we didn't actually start trying in the sense of like, we didn't start going, okay, you know, I'm ovulating now. We're going to have to get into the bed. You know, like we didn't do any of that just because I kind of thought there was no point. We just stopped. We just stopped trying not to get pregnant, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And then the first time that we, I think, had sex during like a fertile period, I got pregnant. So it was crazy. Seriously, you spend your whole bloody life trying on contraception not to be pregnant and then like the minute you decide to just take the goalie out of the goalpost, all of a sudden there it is. Some for, for some people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. just it's it's wild, like our bodies are They're just they're just very unpredictable. I think it goes to show like no matter how much you try to take control of in terms of like figuring out your fertility and checking ovulation and checking your temperature and all this, sometimes it is just happenstance. You know what I mean? That like it happens at the right time because it happens at the right time. Just and, the look of the know, draw. Almost. Yes. And like it was incredibly lucky. And I remember I think I was like it was then two weeks later that I went, oh, my period is like two days late. And Brandon was like, two days, you're being ridiculous. And I was like, no, I'm going to do a pregnancy test. So like I knew so early as well. Yeah. Because I knew and immediately. Do you know what? Like, because, you know, you know, like, well, I feel I don't know if you're the same, but at this age now, I feel like I know my cycle so well. Like, it's, oh no, you know, I have no I, clue. Surprises me every single month. Every single month, I have a day where I want to kill everyone. I'm in such a rage, and then the next day I'll get my period and I'll be like, oh, uh, that's, that's what, what that, that was. was. Yeah, that like righteous burning anger I felt yesterday is actually just hormones, and it really annoys me every single month. Yeah, I it it's it's bizarre because my cycle the whole thing like every phase of it is so crystallized now like I think it, it must be age that I know exactly what week I'm in and yet 
every month, just like you. I managed to forget why I'm so annoyed at everything and, and <laughs> why I hate everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. it's if it, it's like it tricks you every month or something. Yeah. And so when you got when you did get pregnant then um when when I got pregnant so when I got pregnant, me and Brandon were obviously living together, but we weren't married. We had just got engaged, actually. So we got engaged on okay. New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And then I found out I was pregnant kind of towards the end of January. So it was really quickly right after we got engaged. And I had private health insurance that I had paid for. I think I was paying like $500 a month or something like as a freelancer. And it was really hard for me. Jesus. To oh, yeah. But that's listen, that's totally normal here. $500. Sorry. $500 a month for private oh, yeah, health care. Yeah. Oh, but sorry, Brandon. So so we now have healthcare through Brandon's employer and it's $600 a month out of his paycheck basically like health insurance here because I always thought as well that if you get health insurance through your employer that it would be at some kind of subsidized rate here but it seems yeah, to of be course, yeah. like, like depending on the employer but it still can be really high so now I had private health insurance but for the $500 a month it didn't cover maternity care so and Brandon was, f- was working full time at the time but he couldn't put me on his health insurance unless we were married so we decided then to get married that March for that reason, basically. This was 2021, so it was still the height of lockdown and my parents couldn't be here. And like, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have bothered getting married. We would have waited till everybody could be here, you know what I mean? And done it the next year. But we decided then to do it then so that I could go on his health insurance. And then after that, I have to say, the care I got was great. As in, I feel like I had a lot of appointments. I had like, I think throughout it was every two weeks or maybe it was like once a month for the first trimester, then every two weeks in trimester two, and then every week after that. So I had a lot of visits with my OBGYN and I felt like I really got to know her and I really, you know, trusted her. And I felt like she was really, and like, you know, you'd want to, cause you're paying so much for it, right? Cause even for, so even though we were insured, I still had, I think a copay. So insurance covers a certain amount and then we had to pay like $40 per visit or something. And then, when I actually ended up giving birth, I, w- I was overdue and my blood pressure had started to spike. My blood pressure had started to spike and my ankles got really swollen like little loaves of bread. <laughs> and we decided, well, myself and my OBGYN decided that I'd go in and be induced because she was basically going, I don't want to leave it go too much longer because your blood pressure is, is getting quite high and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the baby was big as well. Was it preeclampsia or was it just? No, it was just it was just the baby was big and I was just I was at 40 weeks and I and I was big and I was heavy and you know so we went in we did the induction and I think I was in labor like at the time it felt like and I mean when I say it now I was in labor for 24 hours right which seems like a long time but then I hear people going oh I was in labor for 72 hours and then I decided to have a c-section whereas after the 24 hours I spoke to her and she basically said look we can wait another 12 hours and we can see if you progress because I think at that point there'd been like eight hours had gone by and I'd my cervix had dilated a centimeter so I was at five centimeters or something by the time she was like look we can wait another 12 hours but in 12 hours time you may be no more dilated but you will be more tired and your blood pressure will be higher and I also had that thing um I can't remember what it's called is it some kind of strep where I had to have um penicillin through my IV all the time because it's some you have some tests before you give birth to see if you have some bacteria basically in your vaginal canal that when the baby's coming out it can get on the baby and give them something I'm obviously clearly not a doctor <laughs> but there was something so I had to have penicillin and that was every time that went in, into my IV it was burning so and that had to be done like every hour or something so like I was getting no sleep I was getting you know there was no relief so I kind of went okay yeah let's do the c-section and then I ended up being in hospital 
So I went in on the Monday night to be induced. On the Tuesday night, we decided to do the C-section. He was born the Tuesday night then, and then I went home on the Friday morning. So I was in for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Four nights. Mm-hmm. And when I say we got bills for the following probably six months, we got at least one bill a week for different things. So there was like, there was a bill for the C-section, right, for the surgery. Right. Then there was a bill for the anaesthetist, as if you could possibly have had the surgery without the anaesthetist. Do you know what I mean? Like some of the stuff you got charged for separately. I was like, well, I couldn't have done that without the other bit. Yeah. There was a bill for the pediatrician who came to see the baby. There was a bill for the nurse, like the nurse care. There was a bill, like there was just a bill. There was bill, There was a bill for my stay in the hospital. There was a bill for his stay, the baby's stay in the hospital. And I think in all, we ended up getting over $100,000 of bills. Now, because we were insured most of it was covered so we ended up paying whatever our deductible was whatever our deductible was which is basically the maximum you'll pay in one year it's it's called an excess in ireland isn't it your excess yeah 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 the excess so we ended up paying six grand okay and like when i say i got my i got my money's worth from that stay because i literally was ringing that bell non-stop because i because <laughs> i literally was like listen i'm gonna pay so much for this i'm gonna get whatever and i was ordering they had the most amazing menu it was like being in a hotel they had like a full menu of like all sorts of different things you could order to eat so i was flat out ordering things in there i think for like for comparison's sake I had private, I have private uh, healthcare. Obviously it does not cost me anywhere near 600 quid a month, but I had, I do have it. Um, and my, I had a similar experience in the sense that I had a section and I was in there for, so Friday night, uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, Monday night, four nights as well. Same, and yeah. overall my bill for my consultant was 5,000. So that's how much it cost me personally to have private consultant healthcare and the rest was obviously covered by VHI or whatever Mm -hmm. um but like you I got my money's worth I rang that bell I called those nurses I actually at one point they really condescendingly said to me (laughs) I went out to them I was look I was in fear and I was in shock and I was just in an emotional I don't even know I can't even describe it I'm sure it was uh, you had a similar thing at some point I didn't even know my own name I was just so overwhelmed with it all and I carried her out I was sobbing and I carried her out and I said to the nurse she has the hiccups again and she was like the hiccups and I was like yeah like is there something wrong with her and they were like no and then Aww. one of the nurses went one of the so nurses hard like, you're very good at coming out of the room looking for help aren't you as you just say like like <laughs> yeah, I know. She's like, you're very good at coming out here to us now when you need something. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And, and I kind of shuffled. I kind of shuffled back in. But the thing was, right, and like I was, I was more appreciative. I had a had a room to myself, right. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a private room and a private bathroom, and I was obviously very, very grateful for the private bathroom in particular. But I found it quite lonely in there. How did you? Were you? That's why I kept going out to them because I I was kind of like terrified were you in a private room and did you feel so i was in a private room and i had a private bathroom i didn't feel so much sheer terror because basically every time the baby like i would ring the bell to go can you put the baby back in his bed and can you hand me the baby again because like obviously after having my c-section i was so sore as well as like i'm not moving and i'd be like can you would you mind he's crying can you hand me the baby can you take the baby and they also had a nursery that you could send the baby to to sleep (gasps) 
Yeah, so no. you take the baby away. Now, I was breastfeeding, so they, were, they weren't taking him for that long. So you know when he's just born, he was like waking up every two seconds to feed. Yeah, yeah. But you could go, can you take him away to the nursery? And they would put him in his little bed and wheel him off down the corridor and put him in the nursery with the other babies. Okay, yeah. wow. But now I only did that one night and then I woke up and I got such a panic because I was like, oh my God, where's my baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Like absolute panic. And there were a couple of times when as well, I would fall asleep with him like on my chest and then I'd be woken up by one of the nurses going, oh, we have to put him back in the bed next. That's not safe. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did find them like really like so nice. Okay. Really nice, really helpful. Uh, I think I was probably like, I was all, I was asking for the most random stuff as well. Like I'd be like, oh, do you have any, do you have any applesauce? Do you have any, like, do you have any saltines? I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit peckish. You know what I mean? I'd just be asking for random stuff. But the other good thing about America is that you get really good drugs. Okay, right. And they sent me home with like, yeah, they sent me home with Percocet, which is a type of opioid. Right, which, like, lovely. I know. I mean, America has a big problem with them. But the problem was the Percocet, and I didn't realize it at the time, but Percocet constipates you. And obviously right after your C-section, yeah. it's very hard to do a poo anyway. Anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah, so I was home about two days and the constipation, and like obviously now I'd been in hospital for four days, I was home two days, and I'd be I'd be very regular. So this was like, this was very unusual for me going six days news. without doing a poo, yeah. <laughs> so I then went off the Percocet and I just started taking basically what the poor Irish women are given I started taking like paracetamol or whatever because I was like I need I need to go to the bathroom I can't yeah no yeah, boys aren't worth this. it yeah <laughs> the, um, I will never forget the 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 fear of going number two for the first time after the section like and they and they also they gave me a directive that I had to go number two before they could let me go home and I also had to fill up a like what are those things called those like kidney shaped bowls you know like those kidney shaped paper yeah. bowls that they hand you if you need with, to puke with what with urine oh so she was like I thought you were going to say with poo I was like that's revolting <laughs> <laughs> no and give it to us then no yeah we and she she was like have you filled up your bowl yet and like every so often I'd be like no and she'd bring me in another jug of water and like it's all very it's all very civilized in the most bizarre way possible so tell me now on i i had my kind of um really intense hormonal whatever it was started on i think this the the first night after i had her so i had probably she was maybe 15 or 16 hours old and it didn't stop until like i don't think i stopped crying until eight day 18 she was about day 18 18 days old did you have a period or a day or a week or a month or whatever where your emotions were just like all over the place what happened me was because I had thought that I wouldn't be able to have a baby throughout my pregnancy I was convinced something was going to happen because I was like I like I I I could never imagine myself having a baby therefore this isn't going to come true like this isn't going to go you know get to the end pan out yeah. So every time I'd go for a scan or something, I'd be like slightly surprised that there was still a heartbeat, that he was still in there, that it was still, you know, I was I was really scared. So then when he was born, what happened was I just would look at him and go, like, he's alive, he's there. Like, <laughs> just so I would just look at him all the time and then I'd be like, imagine. And like, I remember one day I turned to Brandon and go, imagine if we'd never met, he wouldn't exist. Like, so it was more, I was just overcome with, my surprise that this little person was here if you know what I mean but I don't remember 
I mean, look, the the first couple of weeks were I found them really hard because Brandon got so Brandon didn't get any paternity leave. So he had to take his annual leave as paternity leave. So basically, by the time I got home from hospital, his annual leave was all used up. So he'd been with me for the for the four days in hospital. So he was at home then that weekend. So I get out on the Friday. He was at home Saturday, Sunday. And then my sister had taken the following week off work. So she spent the next week with me. But then the following week, like 12 days after I was cut open, I was on my own. And like on my own at home all day with the baby, you know, which was really hard. And then I think they lifted the travel ban at the start of November then. So my parents came over, I think like mid-November then. So when he was about five or six weeks old. So it wasn't for you know I wasn't alone for months but there was I think two or three weeks where I was just at home alone with the baby and freshly after his action like yeah and I don't know if I was even I don't know if I was terrified as much as I was just so tired (laughs) um yeah and I also just I I think as well I didn't really give myself a break because like I remember I was home about three days when I started putting a load of washing on because I was like well this has to get done instead of going like hey B you know to my sister like would you mind putting that on for me or even to like Brandon when he comes home from work hey can you put on but actually to be fair to Brandon I mean this is the one this is the one thing I'll say about him is that he was very good at as soon as he came home he would take the baby and he would just sit with the baby and hold the baby and look after the baby you know the whole time but it was a real relief because for those first few weeks the baby Atlas still now doesn't like to sleep on his back he tricked us in the hospital for four nights he slept on his back no problem and then as soon as we got home, as soon as you put him on his back, he would scream. And now he sleeps directly on his belly with his face mashed into the mattress. But obviously as a little baby, we couldn't let him do that because we were terrified. So most of the time he would end up sleeping on us. So during the day, if, like if I needed to go to the toilet, I remember I would put him in his car seat and then carry that with me into the bathroom and put it on the ground beside me. Also because we have a dog. So like I wasn't going to leave him anywhere with the dog. Do you know what I mean? So it just so when Brandon got home it was basically the only time that I got to be away from the baby which was nice <laughs> yeah it's always that is always good and like I can't imagine how you how you did that because my husband uh, he was able to take like whatever the state paternity leave is which isn't I mean it's insufficient but look it's there and then he, because he worked for his family business he kind of had a, a lot of flexibility for yes, yeah. at least the kind of like the the really bad recovery weeks where like your scar is still fresh and you're still you've still got Mm -hmm. a bandage and a a whatever um and you're advised you know all that stupid stuff that they say in the hospital like don't pick up anything heavier than the baby and you're like yeah oh i know yeah can you come home and run my household for me because i know otherwise do you know but i'm interested to know why or what was the situation that brandon didn't get any paternity leave is is that there, there, there is no, there is no paternity leave. There is no uh, guaranteed paternity leave in America. And I'm joking. There's also the company that he was with at the time gave five days annual leave. So, th- like, this is the thing that I didn't realize until I moved to America. You know, in Americans, you'd meet Americans and they'd go, "Oh my God, I've always wanted to go to Ireland," and I'd be like, "Well, why don't you go? Like, stop telling me and just go." And when I moved here, I realized, a most like no Americans unless they're earning six figures and in a big company get 20 days holidays like they might get 10 11 12 that's good annual leave and that's like you have to you also don't get any guaranteed sick days so if you take a sick day a lot of the time that comes out of your annual leave so like Americans don't have any time to go anywhere 
and then also flights from America are much more expensive but that's another issue but yeah so Brandon didn't get any guaranteed paternity leave he just had to take his PTO like his, his time off that's, that's wild yeah that is wild I honestly don't know how more Americans aren't rioting in the streets but that's also another yeah, I mean, story for another yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a different podcast, uh, which maybe we should make. But it, it, it seems the paternity leave thing, I figured maybe that it was Brandon's particular company or something, but if there's no guaranteed paternity leave in... Oh, but sorry, sorry, there's also no guaranteed maternity leave. There's, there's no guaranteed paid maternity leave. So I'm not even sure your company has to give you any time off, but like a lot of women here would go back after four weeks because they have to, because they're not getting paid. So like a lot of women would go back within the first two months to work. Probably the majority of women who have babies, uh, who work. And 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 what do they do with their babies? Like I'm so- <laughs> you would You would get somebody, you would like bring your baby into a child minder or get a nanny or creche. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When the baby's like teeny, God. teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny. And you know the way creche fees and childcare fees here are absolutely mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Are they are they similar in your experience over there? So I have Atlas with a childminder two days a week and it's $30 a day. So I think that's probably a lot less than in Ireland. Yeah, I'd say that sounds But scary. I don't know about the more kind of like organized or like the branded creches because anyone that I've inquired with has had like, oh, we're taking applicants for like 2026. So in that sense, it seems to be similar. But this is just, I found a woman through our neighborhood Facebook group who has like a, a child minding service in her home. Okay, so that's okay. what he does. So like if crashes make you sign up for 2026, do you have to just be like, I think I might have a baby by then? <laughs> like what? Actually, I don't know how that works. Maybe that's actually just pre-kindergarten. I honestly don't know how it works. I think, I think a lot of the time people end up, well, because the other thing is, that a lot of people in Fort Wayne so when I first got pregnant I joined Bumble BFF as well because I was like maybe I'll try and meet some mom friends but everybody my age had like teenagers so people get married and have kids much younger here so a lot of women who would have been having kids or who would have been in the hospitals at the same time as me were in their early thir- were in their early 20s so I think a lot of the time when you have a small baby you have your your mother or your father or your family around who looks after them because if you're from Fort Wayne your mom might st- might be 45 when you're having your baby you know what I mean the childcare crisis is still raging over here and yeah like I, I actually can't imagine um having to go back to work after four weeks or anything even remotely close to that not I not know. just I know I mean obviously for for financial reasons yes but also I didn't know my arse my elbow after four weeks like oh, I, sorry, I, I, I took, it took me months yeah like but also I was so tired I was now actually to be fair to me <laughs> To be fair to me, I took two weeks off work and then I started working again in the sense of I was I started back writing. So I do a newsletter with the people, people subscribe and pay for that. So I was like, I can't take too long off that. So I took two weeks off that. My sister and I present a podcast together and we took a month off that. But then so within four weeks, I was back to work. But, you know, not the work in the sense of I wasn't out of the house nine to five with you know leaving the baby with someone else I was working from home so like whenever I could when the baby like when I could get the baby to sleep not on me <laughs> I would try to work or else I would work in the evenings when Brandon was home yeah 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 and I kind of did the same thing I think I like you well you've a Substack, I believe I have a Patreon and I also was recording podcast episodes and stuff after about three or four weeks but like again it was very flexible the mm-hmm. baby could sleep I could do a little bit I could pop back I could you know yeah and that was 
the, I, I mean, I suppose the, a good thing about freelance life is that flexibility. But the bad thing about freelance life is that I had to go back and do bits yeah, after same. three or four yeah. weeks. But I, I genuinely like. I mean, I would have, I would have been an absolutely terrible employee after four weeks of, you know, after delivering Lydia. Like, I can't imagine how bad I would have been. Yeah. in an office environment I, or in a, in a I too you know. would have been terrible yeah because I, cause I was very like liable to fly off the handle like I was very on edge and I also like imagine if I'd had a job that I had to wear a uniform or any kind of tailored clothing no no like I would have been like after about a year I had to kind of say to myself okay you need to stop wearing those maternity leggings they're so comfy it's like, sorry I'm, Lydia else. is Lydia is almost two and a half and I'm currently wearing maternity shorts and I do not like they're the most comfortable thing ever oversized clothes hello I did see a meme the other day that hit me a little bit too hard it said something along the lines of um when your oversized clothes start to fit you snugly oh, <laughs> like, listen, and, listen. And I'm kind of there I'm kind of there now <laughs> but yeah. I honestly like go I, I can't imagine the experience of someone who had would have to go back into an office or a nine to five or a nine to six or whatever yeah. hour job a few but weeks after having a baby what I found here a little bit was that because that's the culture right that people like if you get two months off from maternity leave you're really lucky in America like that's really good so because of that I think everyone kind of expected me to be like great by Christmas and I remember Brandon's then company had a Christmas party kind of at the start of December and we had gone for dinner a couple of months before Atlas was due and they'd said, oh, we'll see you at the Christmas party. And I was like, lol, yeah, right. Like I'm having a baby in October. And they were all looking at me like I was the most dramatic bitch, you know, kind of going, yeah, you're having a baby in October. Like by December, you'll be back to normal. And I just was like, no, I'm not. No, like I'm not intending on getting back to normal for a while, actually. Thank you very much. But th that's a real indulgence that they're just not used to here. And what about all those things? Because like I'm always seeing things on the Internet and obviously I'm 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 finding, you know, what's a confirmation bias for my own theories about, you know, being a mother. But like, mm -hmm. I'm always seeing things on the Internet that are like, you know, it takes it takes mothers, you know, two years to feel like themselves again. And mm -hmm. like all these surveys and whatever. Are they just absolutely uh, is there some kind of wall where American women don't see that or like, what's the story? What's going on over there? I mean, I think a lot of the things that we don't that America doesn't give its people is and this is like an oversimplification but is due to a deeply seated fear of socialism so it feels like if we give them too much maternity leave if we give them too much social welfare if we give them too much free health care if we give them too much free education we're becoming too socialist and they really really don't want that and i think that has a lot to do with it but that's just like my theory right so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Like and you know what I do think there are a lot of women in the US who and this is a completely anecdotal and based on my own experience who give up work for a year or two to have their babies or a year or two or three because they're like it's not it's untenable for me to have a baby and go back to work after four weeks and put that baby in crash immediately and be okay with that and you know also because America has quite a high rate of breastfeeding I think it's higher than Ireland so I'm like they have to be taking career breaks otherwise are, are like are they just pumping all day long at work like I would have like if I had to do that I would have given up at, like as soon as I went back to work like there's no way I would have been doing that every day no and like if they've really yeah that's that that, that poses a real like problem they must be just giving up their jobs but then that's a load of women leaving the workforce and the gender pay gap gets even worse and the you know like, yeah. Geez, yeah. 
kind of chaotic, to be honest. I don't think America cares about the gender pay gap. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like they do at all. Yeah. I mean. This podcast is just one way that every mum supports you. Another amazing way is our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland. To receive yours, register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. Goodness. Um, well, look, we'll solve America's problems on our on our next episode. But in the meantime, I would like to ask you, how have you been getting on with your son? So obviously you have two stepsons, but yes. as, as, as a breastfeeding mother and now a mother of a toddler, how has that all been going for you? Are you, like, have you just... It, to, to me like observing you on the internet or whatever as I do it really seems like you've just taken to it and you're kind of just it, it's all come quite naturally to you is that the case or is that perception and not the case at all well <laughs> like okay so being in a house and living and coexisting with children in the house yes I feel like has come quite naturally keeping my baby alive feels quite natural as well doing all of those things while being kind and warm and generous and the type of mother that I always wanted to be is not doesn't come as easily to me and I think a lot of the time like obviously like I love my boys so much and actually I was worried that when I had Atlas there would some like suddenly be a stark difference in oh he's my son and they're my stepson's and while it is different like the relationship I have to him is obviously different right to the relationship that I have to them also because they already have a mom they don't need me to, their, to be their mom but we now have this other little person that we both that we all love that we're bonded over because we love him so much you know what I mean so like we all have this in common now that's lovely but uh, I definitely like I actually read something today where somebody was talking about how Jordan Peterson's ugh, about how much they like Jordan Peterson because he talks about a return to traditional values. And they were saying, I really believe, this person said to me, I really believe that most women would like to be at home with their kids. And I literally read that and I was like, I would not, but I am. So like, I I work from home and Atlas is with a child minder two days a week, but the other three days a week he's here with me. And I find it really hard. And like, not hard as in, it's not taxing, but sometimes I wish it was. Like it's taxing in that you have to get up at the same time and feed him the same stupid meals and clean up the same stupid food off the floor. And, you know, it's monotonous. And I find that really hard. And I don't particularly find it fulfilling or rewarding, even though I love him so much. And like, you know, I, I find it amazing when he does new things, but I'm not like, oh, that's really rewarding because I made that. Like he's his own person. You know what I mean? So like that doesn't, in you know, in the way that I find working rewarding and I find when I write something that I feel really resonates with people, I find that rewarding. Or when I see, you know, something that I've done working out well or being successful, like I feel like I need that in my life. And maybe that's ego, it probably is. But I don't think I would be happy if I didn't have that. And like, you know what, that's what that, that wasn't the question. And I feel like I'm kind of like, that's such a thing for women is that you are only a good mother if that's the only thing you want to do. You know what I mean? You're only a good mother if you want to dedicate yourself to your kids 24-7 and do nothing else. I think I am a really good mom. I think I could be a lot more patient, <laughs> especially with the older boys. Um, and I think I could be... I think sometimes I'm kind of looking at them going like, what do you not understand about what I just said to you? Like, I just forget that they're little and their brains aren't, you know, as full of information as ours are and they don't, they can't reason 
the way we can so I sometimes I'm looking at them going like what do you not get and I get like you know and I'm real impatient and I expect them to think like an adult so like there are lots of ways that I'm not great but I I think I kind of got thrown into it in a way that I didn't really have any any other choice but to do it you know what I mean yeah I like I don't get that notion either that mothers are only you know quote unquote good if all they want to do is be be parents to their children and I like you're speaking my language because I find it incredibly monotonous to be a parent Mm. and incredibly Mm. like there's something that just feels I always like Groundhog Day but like it there's something that also feels relentless about it because it's the same thing every day in day out and like I have some childcare too I have um I have people who mind it yet three days out of the week so I can work and then the other the other four days are are me mostly and my husband but mostly me and it's just you're right you're getting up at the same time you're dressing them the same way you're changing their nappy you're feeding them you're feeding them again you're feeding them for the fifth time in a couple of hours then you're reading the exact same books and you know and you read the thing online that says children who read the same book 10 times a day are smarter than blah 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 and you're like (laughs) oh well I better bloody read this stupid book again and then you're reciting the book when you're alone in the car mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. there's some days where you're just like like the the thoughts of going and doing a like a work day just fill me I with know. such joy yeah. and, and, and being surrounded by other adults and having other conversations adults. sorry not even having conversations that revolve around having conversations full stop full stop because yeah, like yeah. right now like atlas isn't talking yet so we're he's he's doing speech therapy and we're like working on that so that means I have to narrate to him all day long. I have to, his speech therapist, so he basically does a lot of like, ah, ah, like making loud noises with his mouth open. So she was like, that's not a productive noise. So we need to try and replace that with something else. So when he makes that noise, when he's pushing his car, I go, vroom, vroom, vroom. And when he makes that noise while he's eating, I go, nom, nom, nom. And when he <laughs> makes that noise while he's opening a door, I go, push, push, push. And I'm so bored of the sound of my own voice making stupid Miss Rachel sounds like yes. nonstop. Oh my god! I sometimes I'm like doing something simple, and I'll say something to Lydia, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, you're turning into Miss Rachel." I, like I'll I say, know. like I'll be literally talking to her, and I'll go, "Open, yeah, oh, I know, I know, open." Um, or I'm um, like, "What is wrong? What's happening mama. to me?" <laughs> yeah. Can you say, "Mama"? And I'm yeah. like, or, "Oh, why my absolute like favorite Rachel? one is that." put it in put it in put it put it in, in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I simultaneously love Rachel and also would want to kill her like I I love yeah. her no, I, I and she I'd is she, she is she's the third parent in my household she is yeah. oh he absolutely but... loves her turn around and the face lights up oh delight. my god same with Lydia like mm-hmm. and I you know we'll sit down and I'll say would you like to watch something and she'll say yeah and I'll say what do you want to watch Rachel okay we'll watch Rachel again um but yeah no I I I do find parenting incredibly monotonous and I find it incredibly like you know the way they they talk about being fulfilled or or the fact Mm -hmm. that parenting fulfills you like I I am actually yet to meet someone in real life who I believe not necessarily what they say but who I believe is genuinely fulfilled by just parenting yeah but I mean like if you think about it why why would they be like have you ever met anybody who is genuinely fulfilled by one thing 
Do you no, know what yeah, I mean? Like, fair, fair. Yeah, 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 fair. In order to be truly fulfilled by your work, you have to have a good work-life balance. You have to feel like it's not taking everything from you. You have to feel like you're being remunerated correctly. You know what I mean? So like there's all these different things that, all these different factors, I think, that go into a sense of fulfillment. Uh-huh. I find parenting fulfilling in the sense that I feel like I now have a lot of things that I wanted and didn't ever think I would have. Like I have the freedom to work for myself. I'm writing, which is what I love to do. I have a baby who I never thought I'd have. He's very cute, which is great, which is an advantage. I wouldn't want like a minger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so like all of these things, I am very happy and very grateful. Yes. Yeah. I do think that there's like such a pressure on women to in a way to like recognize how grateful you are and never complain i mean look never complain right is probably the bottom line like there's a lot of pressure on women never to complain yeah and i think once you complain about how hard it is to be a parent you're considered a bad mother once you complain about how hard it is to work you're you're considered lazy when you know all these different things so yeah it's it's complex but yeah it's definitely it's a challenge and i mean like you said i'm i'm really proud like of Lydia and everything she does but I don't feel I don't feel like that's my achievement you know I, yeah, I feel yeah. like yeah. yeah like I I obviously I grew her and that was and I, and I just like you and Miss Rachel repeat stuff to her yeah. constantly and I'm always like I sing to her all the time and I repeat the same little stories and I ask her quite the same questions every car journey and what's that out there and is that a tree or is that a so you know I'm obviously having a hand in all of the things that she does but I I don't find it like I don't look at her and think that's my greatest achievement I kind of look at her and I think she uh, she's going to be a great person someday and I you know it's a it's a it's not the same as feeling fulfilled in the the Mm -hmm. way that I would for say my career achievements or whatever and that's not to say that I don't yeah it's weird and and you kind of you feel guilty saying that sort of thing don't you as a mother yeah, I think so yeah but it's but it's not I mean even though technically you make them right it's not the same feeling as when you make something like a piece of art like when you make you you know you create a podcast and you see it go from like idea to finished product or you write something that you've had in your mind and it comes out and it comes out well and you feel like it's a good piece of work I feel it's just a different feeling you know what I mean it is it's different it's different and, and it's and you're allowed both. to want both of those feelings I think mm-hmm. yeah and it, and I think I guess you're allowed to want you know or you're you're allowed not to feel a certain way about being being a parent like there's no mm-hmm. one yeah there's no one way to feel about it like yeah I, and I also don't think anybody like if if you had a man right who had a new baby and somebody said oh how's the baby and he went god it's really hard I'm wrecked I don't think anybody would be like weird do you know what I mean? Everyone's like, of course he's wrecked. Like, I think like men are allowed to com- because they're not somehow the ones that are supposed to have this like blood bond with the baby. You know what I mean? Even so they're though allowed to be more realistic. Even though they're 50% theirs in every oh, yeah, single of scenario. Of course. And like also there have, been, there have been a lot of studies that show that if men are the ones who do the primary childcare. So you know all these things that are like women are more likely to bond with their children and uh, children respond more to their mother's faces blah 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 but if men are the ones who do the primary childcare, the babies will respond more to them they will bond better with them and there's also something about I remember I think this is, was in um, Delusions of Gender by Natasha Walter I think there was a bit about how men who basically that you can teach yourself empathy 
by being empathetic. So like the more of a caregiving role you take on, the more natural it will feel. And it's not actually tied to gender, but it's tied to who does it. And so the fact that women end up being the caregivers, it's just because we do it. Like it's not because we're, in, we're innately meant to be caregivers, it's because we do the caregiving. And Therefore, we've been practicing it for our whole lives in every small micro way all the way up, yeah. But yeah. like for men, I, I feel like sometimes it, in hetero relationships, obviously that where there's children involved, the bar is really on the floor. Like, oh, I yeah. mean, I find myself, and don't get me wrong, my husband is actually legitimately fantastic and does an incredible amount for our family and for me and for our daughter and for our dog and you know <laughs> but like I, I do find myself sometimes giving him credit or, or reporting back to people about how great he is at things that I have never ever looked for or received or or yeah. you know credit for like uh, yeah. it, it's weird it's weird sometimes how, I how find much myself... we praise them yeah sometimes I find myself saying thanks for him to the dishwasher and then I'm like when did he last say thanks to me and it's not because I want thanks but it's like why am I thanking him or people will say to me like is Brandon a good help around the house as if like I'm the house manager and he's the assistant do you know what I mean and I'm like he's like he he lives here he owns the house he owns the children as much as I do like not owns but you know what I mean like he is equally responsible for all these things yeah like I, I the other day um and again this is not to disparage my, my husband who is fantastic but the other day he um, I came down and uh, was looking after Lydia and he had gone to work and I noticed that he had replenished the nappies in the living room and in her bedroom where we change her most often and he had also tidied up her I call it baby jail it's like a playpen yeah, thing yeah, that she, yeah. she gets trapped in and and I remember thinking because they're normally things that I would instinctively do. Like when she mm -hmm. goes to bed, I'll just potter around and I'll replenish the nappies yeah. and I'll put a bottle in the sink and I'll wash this and I'll put on a this and I'll tidy up baby jail and I'll just, you know, you, you kind of do a lap of honour yeah. and do all the, yeah. all the bits. And I noted, I just, almost as if like, oh God, that's, I don't have to do that. How brilliant is that? So it stuck with me. And then when he came home from work later on, I said, um, thank you so much for, like filling the nappies up and, and my, tidying up baby jail and he was like yeah of course no problem and like I think he thought it was odd that I was thanking him you know yeah but and, and again I like you said never would look for thanks or I would never be fishing for like yeah. why are, why is no one you know congratulating me for doing the bare minimum in my own home but I it did occur to me that I do that every day multiple yeah. times a day and no one has ever ever said thank you yeah but it's also interesting that it that it struck you as oh like he did that because like i'd be the same you know what i mean if if brandon like if brandon like i don't think brandon's ever changed the sheet in the baby's bed for example because like i you know i could say it just doesn't occur to him but it's like it doesn't occur to him because i do it you know what i mean so i'm also facilitating his not doing it like but if he changed the sheet in the baby's bed i would be like whoa yeah wow he did a big thing it's amazing yeah or like good you know, for you. That, you know the the like three monthly clothes rotation like i'm kind of oh don't even get me started on that i had to tell him one day i was like go in there and take out everything that says 18 months and put it in this pile and then go in and take and then i had to go in and double check because i was like what about these things he's like oh i didn't see the label on those <laughs> i didn't see the label because i didn't look for it yeah. um it's funny how we always manage to see the labels on things I, you know, I just, and I think you're right at this stage, it's not even the fact that like he wouldn't do it because I know he would, but it's that I just do it because I know what needs to be done and I'll do it effect effectively and I'll do it efficiently yeah. and it, it'll happen. Um, 
and and how like you were saying earlier on that there you don't find a massive difference um and why should there be i suppose between the boys that um are your technically your stepchildren and your you know atlas what is the dynamic like now have you you said you kind of had to start parenting them to a certain extent has that changed since you've had atlas or has that evolved or how are they now kind of with you no i think i don't think it's changed since i had atlas the only thing that i kind of i suppose brandon and i are both wary of is that we don't make them feel like he's prioritized over them so like even sometimes when he goes to bed and then we're like oh you have to be quiet or you have to and so we'll try and tell them like you have to be quiet but we won't we'll still let them watch tv we'll still let them play we'll still let them do all these things or there was actually you know what something came up the other day where the, the, the baby had discovered Finn's old bluey like play sets that he had about a year and a half or two two years ago so he has the house he has the car he has the camper van or whatever and I took them out for Atlas and he's like loves them and playing with them and then the boys came down and they were like they're ours where do they come from and I was like well they're they're all of ours like you guys w- have, don't play with them anymore so Atlas is going to play with them and then they announced that they wanted to bring them to their moms which was just their way of going these are our toys and we're taking them out away from Atlas and I wouldn't let them and and part of me was like am I saying Atlas is like am I letting Atlas take their toys now you know what I mean but then I was going actually no because the only reason you want this like you haven't played with this in ages this is like for smaller kids than you you just have got it in your head and like I was really nice about it and I was like no no this is all of your toys but they're staying here because Atlas really wants to play with them so you guys can play with them all together here so there are moments like that where I'm like I don't want to make them feel like they're being pushed out or and you know what it's also tricky as well because they're getting older so I think naturally as they get older they would be asked to do more chores but because they're kind of getting older at the same time that Atlas is getting a bit bigger I try not to give them any chores to do with him so I don't get them to put up his clothes or I don't get them to tidy up his toys or because I don't want them to feel like he's he gets away with everything and I have to tidy up after him you know what I mean and he's and he's also inadvertently the cause of the all, yes. all of the work they have to do yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so I don't want that to happen but I doubt like step parenting is really hard right because you have to do all the hard work of parenting you get all the shit you get all the fits you get all the like sulks you get all the stomping up the stairs all the protests about this and that and the, like the bad behaviour and you don't get as much of the hugs or the love or the like cur- curling up on the couch next to you like they always <laughs> in the evening sometimes Brandon will go oh we really need to go to the shop and get milk and he'll go do you want to go or will I go and the boys will go Rosemary can go because they want to hang out with him right and so it is, like it is a bit like okay thanks guys and like I know as they get older as well I hope they'll start hiding that a bit better you know when they cop on that it could be hurtful <laughs> but like they definitely you know if it's a choice of one of us has to stay here and the other one has to go, has to go they always want their dad they just want to be wherever their dad is basically uh, or their mom and I'm never going to really get that from them you know what I mean so and it's hard because you get all the shit parts of parenting and you just don't get all the good parts yeah so I mean I suppose I have to kind of because like Brandon is their dad and they're young boys so you know there probably is a natural inclination for them to want to just you know be with their dad oh they probably no no think no, super... no no they're also they're also obsessed with their mom like as in okay when when they leave in the mornings it's so funny she picks them up in the mornings on on like her days to take them from us and when they leave they used to say like bye love you and now since atlas arrived they'll go bye love you atlas (laughs) they'll be like oh my god gas (laughs) gas and i I like that you're you're being realistic about it you're not like when they get older they'll 
start to love me. They're, you're like, when they get older, they will hide it better that they don't love me as much. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, totally. And I mean, look, like I know loads of people who have really great loving relationships with their step parents as adults, but I'm not expecting to have that with them right now necessarily because I think they were also like they were four and six I think when their parents separated so they were kind of old enough to know but too young to understand yes and I think you know they've had kind of a difficult time with it and they're still getting used to it and like I'm I, you know from their point of view it all happened quite quickly I think that I moved in and we had a baby and we got married and we moved house as well so like they've had a lot of change so I do try to try to remind myself of that when they're driving me absolutely crazy but like like as I said earlier my patience levels aren't great and this morning they had both stormed up to their rooms before 8.30 a.m. Like, a separate incidents of rage from each of them when they were told no about something. Like, so I don't do a great job at being, like, super nice and compassionate all the time. I try. But look, they they have, like you said, they, they have had a lot of change that you've, you know, you moved in, you got married, you had a baby. And, like, I mean, look, if it was, if it was, if it was very quick for, for me as a distant observer of you on the internet how yeah. it must it have felt for those two little yeah. boys so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can empathize I can understand uh Rosemary I like we're what are we we're more than an hour in at this point and I want to chat to you more I do but I know this is going to be a nightmare to edit down from an hour to you know something Just, acceptable thank god you don't have to do it <laughs> yes thank god for Alan shout out to Alan hi Alan um yeah no I I have so many more questions in my head written down but I just look We'll have to do a part two at some point if you're on for it. Um, and in the meantime, thank you very much for giving me your time and for giving me all of your insights about parenting. And um, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our chat. So thank you. Thanks for having me. And if anybody, you know, is curious about the road that led me here, I did just publish a book about it. Basically oh my about God, you did. Love and how that led me to Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's called This Is Not About You. And it's salacious in parts, but also funny, I think. I have it downloaded. I haven't read it yet, but it is downloaded, and it's a memoir which I love. Uh, it's it's about all the guys you've dated, basically, and yeah. you know, and literally, yeah, the road that led you to Brandon, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give him too much, like the road that led me here, <laughs> but yeah, all all the princes I had to, I mean, kiss whatever to get there. <laughs> princess frogs, you know, who's to say? Anyway, yeah. thank you, and yeah, congratulations on the book. It's um, I've I've only heard good things, and in actual fact, I am in a book club that is actively discussing it at the moment. Oh so, god, oh god. Yeah. I mean, great, but also terrifying. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all good. I, I trust me, it's all good. Um, so yes, thank you again, Rosemary, and I will speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients, 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. And they are also plant-based and plastic-free. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. You can share this episode across social if you like and you can get in touch with the guest on social media and their handles will be in the show notes. Oh,